In the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. <clears throat> Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. <clears throat> Blessed art thou among women. Blessed the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for our sinners, now at the hour of our death. Come, Holy Spirit, fill the hearts of your faithful, and kindle within us the fire of your divine love. Send forth your spirit, and they shall be created. Let us pray. O God, it did instruct the hearts of your faithful by light of the Holy Spirit. Grant us that by the same Spirit we may be truly wise. I rejoice in his consolation through the same Christ our Lord. O Lady Fatima, St. Joseph, St. Nasus, all God's angels and saints, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Good evening. So where we're at today or tonight in the Ignatian dynamic is after meditating upon sin, we want to experience how great is God's mercy. In the words of the psalmist, give thanks to the Lord for his good, for his mercy endures forever. Beautiful psalm. Give thanks to the Lord for his good, his mercy endures forever. According to St. Thomas and St. Faustina, and other saints, the greatest attribute of God is his mercy. And how might we define mercy? Mercy is the love of God forgiving the sinner. The love of God forgiving the sinner. As Catholics, we have many special blessings. And one of the blessings is that we have seven sacraments. And of these sacraments, they're divided into three categories. There would be the sacraments of initiation, baptism, communion, confirmation, Sacraments of service, which would be holy matrimony and holy orders. Holy matrimony at the service of the family. Holy orders at the service of the church. Then we have sacraments of healing. And they would be the anointing of the sick. as well as the sacrament of confession is also known as the sacrament of healing. I'd like to tell you a personal anecdote. Then I'd like to talk uh, tonight about confession, but making a general confession. It's a little bit different. About seven months ago, 
I got news that my mother was very, very sick. Very sick. And one of my brothers said, it looks like she's, uh, she's on her way out. So I flew from Los Angeles to New Hampshire. And my older brother flew from Orlando, Florida, to New Hampshire. And over the past year or two, my mom has been talking about her desire to have a holy and happy death. She was talking about the way that she would like to die, and I've never heard this before. Have you ever heard anyone talk about his or her death and how he or she would like to die? I was impressed. Because that's the most important moment in our life, is the moment we die. So I tried to give her the best. What do you think would be the best way to die as a Catholic? Now, there's a blessing to have a son as a priest. There is. No? I mean, you can't deny that, right? It's good fire insurance, as we say, right? So my mom was very sick, so the church allows this. I set up a, an altar in her room, in her bedroom, and I heard her confession. I gave her the anointing of the sick. Do you know what the apostolic pardon is? None of you, huh? I gave her the apostolic pardon. Then I gave her Holy Communion. Then me and my brother prayed the rosary and the chapel to my mercy. After that, my mom said, I'm ready to go now. I am ready to go. <laughs> I'm ready. I'm ready. Because the apostolic pardon, in conjunction with confession, gives you a plenary indulgence. What does that mean? So if you die, you go right to heaven. But she didn't die. <laughs> God still has other plans. And I think that God maybe, I think God kept her because of me. Because uh, a priest is important. So when I celebrated my 37th anniversary, she offered 30 Masses for me, a Gregorian Mass. Amen? God probably wants her around with my, to pray for my conversion. And for your conversion, too. I sent her a text and said, I'm going to Nebraska. Are you going there to pick corn? What are you going? Why? You've never been there before in Nebraska? You're in New Yorker, now you're in Angelino, no? I'm going to go preach a retreat there. Mom, pray for me. Ah, I'll pray for you. Pray my rosary for you. Ah. Say, thank you, Mrs. Broom. Thank you, Mrs. Okay. <laughs> the power of prayer. Power of prayer. Greatest thing we can do for another person is to pray for that person.
especially in conjunction with the Mass, with the Holy Mass. So, I'd like to, then, I'd like to talk then about uh, the sacrament of confession. I'd like you to give you a little bit of catechesis, and then I'd like to propose to you what I do on most retreats, is how to make a general confession. General does not mean generic, but it means a confession of your whole life. In my 10-week program, this is usually where there's the most abundant graces in this, this part of the retreat. Um, probably some of you don't even know what it is, so I'll, that's why I'll explain it to you. Okay, the sacrament of confession, as well as other sacraments, once again, I'm going to give you a, bit, a little bit of sacramental theology with your permission. When you receive the Eucharist and you receive confession, uh, you have a direct encounter with Christ. It's a direct encounter with Christ. But the graces you receive from that sacrament are in proportion to your disposition. So the better the disposition, the more the abundant the graces. The saints will say, one communion is enough to make you a saint. The fault is not in the sacrament, but in the recipient of the sacrament. Yeah. I repeat, the fault is not in the sacrament because it's God, but rather in the disposition of the recipient. So the two most important things you can do in your life are what? to go to confession and to go to communion. For me, it's a no-brainer. Those are the two most important things you can do in your life, is to go to confession and then to go to communion. In certain sacrities, there's a plaque in which is written, Priest, man of God, say this Mass as if it were your first Mass, Say it as if it were your last Mass. Say it as if it were your only Mass. You might even have that attitude with respect to confession. Go to confession. When you go to confession, as if it were your first, your last, and your only. To not, not to take it for granted but to do it well, prepare yourself well. So the, the better the preparation you have, the better the disposition, the more abundant the graces. So with reception of the sacraments, take it seriously. 
Don't take the sacraments for granted. We have a modern saint canonized a few years ago. His name was Saint Damien. Have you heard of Saint Damien, any of you? Of no, none of you. Of Molokai. He worked in in Hawaii, actually. It was before it became part of the United States. And if you see the movie Molokai, you got to see it. None of you, okay? Okay, one of you. It's worth seeing Molokai. What do you think was his greatest suffering working with these lepers? You know? And he knew he was going to die a leper. And he did. He thought it was going to happen in about two years. He was there for about 11 years. And then he died as a leper. He preached, we the lepers. Because he recognized when he was pouring hot water on his hand, he didn't feel anything. So the leprosy had already eaten into his nerves. His greatest suffering was he was there in the island and he couldn't go to confession. That was his greatest suffering. Because he was the only priest on the island. You know, if I go into my room tonight and I say, Bless me, Father, for I have sinned, looking in the mirror. Okay? Bless me, Father, for I have sinned. These are my sins. And I absolve you of your sins in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. <laughs> Will that be valid or invalid? Yeah. I can't, I can't absolve myself. I have to go to confession to another priest. So Father Damien had no priest to go to. And it's one of the most Charming incidents in the movie. There's a priest on a ship near the island. And Father Damien gets in the ship and he rows. <laughs> he rows the boat to the ship. And the priest, I think it was a bishop, that was on the top of the boat, Father Damien yelled out his sins from his little boat. And the bishop was not the only one on the ship. No? How would you like me to give, give the microphone and you profess your sins publicly? You'd probably never turn again to this place, would you? No? Because he couldn't live with guilt. I'm not going to debunk psychology or anything, but a lot of people are suffering depression because they're living with unconfessed sin. Nothing, nothing against psychology and taking pills to overcome depression. I'm not going to deny that there are certain psychological conditions that you have to take medicine. But I maintain a lot of people are depressed because they're living with unconfessed sin. You know, Shakespeare's got some masterpieces. Maybe you've heard of Macbeth. 
King Lear, Othello, or Romeo and Juliet. They're called his, they're Shakespearean tragedies. Maybe you remember the scene with Lady Macbeth. She's always washing her hands. Why? Because she and her husband Duncan, they killed someone. So constantly washing her hands because she wanted to purify herself of that blood guilt. Great scene. Face it, Shakespeare's a master. He says, Conscience doth make cowards of all of us. How true, huh? In the quiet of the night, huh? Right? <laughs> we don't want to turn out those lights, do we? No? Conscience doth make cowards of all of us. So, let me give you a brief catechesis on confession and talk about general confession. Okay, I want to start, I want to try, try to start to set the, set the stage for why it's a good idea to make a general confession. If you've never made one in your life, and that means that the priest might have to get a couple more priests for tomorrow. Okay? It's 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 worth it's worth doing it. Okay? All right. How many people here are married? Don't be ashamed. Okay. So let me ask this question. The week before you get married, what are you thinking about? You're thinking about the mystical union between the mystical spouse of Christ and the church? I doubt it. Fat chance. I doubt it. You're thinking about the wedding cake. You're thinking about the size of your dress. You're thinking about how you're going to deck up your hair. Huh? You're thinking about the guests that are coming in from New York or from the Philippines or from Mexico. You're thinking about the social above the sacramental. Face it, that's across the board. Now I'm going to say now is it something a little bit delicate, but I think it has to be said. Is over the past 50 years there's been a weakening in catechesis. I say over the past 60 years the catechesis across the board has been dismal, if not catastrophic. We've gone, uh, Fulton Sheen says, in the 13th century, it was the age of faith. The 18th century was the age of reason. 20th century and 21st century, Sheen says, is the age of feelings. So we've gone to a catechesis based on faith faith and reason to basically feelings. 
Remember that song, Yummy, Yummy, Got Love in My Tummy at the 70s, huh? <laughs> Everything is becoming woke and sentimentalism rather than basing our, our Catholic faith on the truth. Okay, let me get down to brass tacks now. Okay, you're about to get married. You're thinking about all these social things. And I don't want to scandalize anyone, but very few people arrive virgin at marriage. I mean, I don't want to scandalize you. You're not little babies. You're, you're, you're adult women, right? Premarital sex is across the board. That, that's, hey, look, that's a mortal sin, right? Hello, anyone home? It's a mortal sin. It's a mortal sin. All right. Is missing mass a mortal sin? Yes, on Sunday. Looking at, technically, looking at pornography, that's a mortal sin. Getting drunk on purpose, that's a mortal sin. Getting bombed with drugs. These are all, these are our serious sins. Okay, follow me now. The day of your wedding, okay, the, the day of your wedding, you did not make a confession of these sins. What happened on the day of your wedding if, if there was a mass? Double sacrilege. Yeah. I'm the only one that preaches this, I think, in the country. I gave a talk on this and it went vile. A third of a million people have followed this talk which I gave about three years ago. All over the world. It's gone viral. You've never heard anyone preach on it, and I'm probably the only one that preaches this in the world. (laughs) But me, it's a no-brainer. Okay, let's, let's follow up now, okay? You're admitting, okay... Maybe committed, even if it were just one, but sometimes it's 10, 15, 20, maybe, maybe 100 mortal sins. You haven't been to Mass in a year. And you're fornicating every week for six months. That's a lot. Looking at pornography, maybe masturbation, they're all, I mean, they're, they're embarrassing, but they're mortal sins. Call a spade a spade. Just don't beat around the bush. Then the, the, the day of your wedding, the day of your wedding, you receive communion. What type of communion is that? It's called sacrilege. And ever since you get married, have your first baby, the second baby, the third, you're never at peace. Because you're living with unconfessed serious sin. Then, after your third kid, you're fighting like cats and dogs with your husband and your kids. You're not at peace. Finally, separation. Theologically, you never received the grace of the sacrament of matrimony. Never received it. Why? Because... You receive that sacrament in mortal sin and you haven't gone to confession. 
and you've been suppressing your conscience, hey, we can all suppress our conscience. We're consummate experts in suppressing our conscience. We are. Be honest. And I think that's probably the primary reason why God pulled me out of L.A. to be with you these few days. To enlighten your consciences. And I'm not doing this to be mean. I'm doing this out of love for you people. I want your salvation more than you want it. My experience being a priest, preaching this for many years, this is what changes lives more than anything else. More than anything else. Making a general confession where you're getting it all out. And my friends, it's a moment of truth. You've got to be honest. If it's not the case that you lived a very good, chaste life and you went to confession 24 hours before confession, okay, this doesn't apply to you. Maybe it is with some of you. But I would wager there's a few of us that maybe are in, that, are in this situation. And as a priest, it's about the best thing I experience. People making general confessions, they leave the confessional, they're on cloud nine. <laughs> they, they, they almost literally grow, grow, grow wings and start to fly. And they've been weighed down by their heavy conscience and unconfessed sins for 15, 20, 30, 50 years. So you might work on, work on that tonight and tomorrow. And I'll prepare you for it. And don't think whatever you say to the priest, what did you do? We've heard it all a million times. Okay? You're not going to surprise us. And I admire the person all the more because it's an act of great humility. And God loves, God loves the humble. <laughs> it's an act of humility. And it's painful. It's embarrassing. Right? I myself, I've, I, I've, for myself, I've, I've made about ten general confessions in my life. Through the whole life, about two times, and then every every year I try to just go through the year, maybe around the beginning of the year, and just get all the trash out that I've done during the year, and it's liberating. It's liberating, and I got peace. I got joy. I'm not carrying with me any trash of the past. I'm living the liberty of the sons and daughters of God. <laughs> Usually I, I give this in the context of a 10-week program, but I only have three, three days with you. <laughs> so even if you're not able to maybe do it during the weekend, well, I, I would try to, yeah. It, this would be the best context, because once you go home with your kids and their busy life, you're probably going to put it off. And, and the devil will convince you, no, do it later. 
Yeah, doing it right around Advent. You know, we have to get prepared. And then you say, well, Lent next year. Before you know, before you know, you never do it. I don't want any of you to die with unconfessed sin. That's horrendous. Do you want to go before the judgment seat with unconfessed mortal sin? That's that's scary, isn't it? It's just downright scary. You see what I'm doing? This is an extension of principle and foundation. It's an extension. Everything I'm talking about is principle and foundation to get us to heaven. Okay, so I've set the groundwork. And if your case, okay, you went to con- you go to, you go to confession every five days. I mean, you never gave your fiance even a kiss. I mean, you lived a an angelic courtship. I, I doubt it. <laughs> Maybe it doesn't apply to you, but it probably applies to this talk for the salvation of your soul. So first of all, thank God that you have the opportunity to do this and you have a priest preaching this. I'd be thankful that I have the courage to be able to say something that's very delicate and very, very difficult. You, okay, you came to Ignatian retreat. I blessed you with Saint Ignatius with a with a bone, right? Maybe read the life of Saint Ignatius. Ignatius goes through about five different stages of conversion. One is in the Battle of Lampona, Pamplona. Then when he's reading the lives of the saints. Then when he goes to uh, Montserrat in the Benedictine Marian Monastery in Montserrat on the hill. And what does he do there? He, he makes a general confession. It took five days. Yeah, read his life. Four to five days. Then he was purified by the fire of God and he goes on to become one of the greatest saints in the Catholic Church. He had to be purified by fire. His sin had to be burnt away by the precious blood of Christ. Yes. And my friends, if we have, we're giving into impurity in our lives, God is not going to use us. Blessed are the pure of heart. They will see God. He's not going to use us. But if we live out holiness and purity of life, we cleanse our soul by the blood of Christ because when you go to confession, it's the blood of Christ that cleanses us. Really, it's the blood of Christ. You're not going to see it. The precious blood of Christ that he shed on Calvary washes you clean and you become white as the snow. In my course, uh, when I prepare people to make a genuine confession, I say usually it takes five hours to prepare yourself. In your case, you may not have that time. Even though tonight and tomorrow, you might be able to give a couple hours tonight, maybe tomorrow morning, get up early and prepare yourself. This has to be done not with your roommate, okay? 
is you and God, okay? And I'm going to be giving you afterward, I'm going to give you an examination of conscience booklet. So you're not, going to, you're not going to just be winging it and pulling some ideas out of your head, even though, even though I'll give you the booklet. The booklet's not going to have your whole life in it, but the booklet will, will enlighten you in a lot of things. And most people that read the book, they'll say, I didn't know that, I didn't know that, I didn't know that, that's a sin, I didn't know that, I didn't know that, I didn't know that, that's a sin. Wow! I didn't know that! As I said, the sin of the century is the loss of the sense of sin. Sin of the century is the loss of the sense of sin. And find some quiet place, maybe the quiet of your room, where there's absolute silence. And if you could give yourself a good block of time, pray to Mary, pray to the Holy Spirit, pray in front of an image of Jesus and Mary, and then you're going to have your booklet, it's yours, written by Father Altier. I've written a better one, but it, hasn't, it doesn't have an imprimatur yet, so I can't use mine. But maybe one day I'll be able to use mine. Mine, I think, is much better, more modern. But the one I give you is pretty good, by Father Altier. And then, you're going to be reading, you're going to be reading the examination of conscience. And you're going to be writing down the sins. If you don't write them down, undoubtedly you're going to forget half of them. Whether or not you're you're 70 or 42, doesn't matter your age. You're going to forget. You're going to draw a blank. Write it down. And afterward, make, you know, don't put it on the counter so everyone can be reading them. No? It's between you and God and your confessor. Okay, here's another detail. And this has been totally forgotten or skipped over in modern, modern catechesis. Now, what I'm going to say is not the opinion of Father Broom. This is canon law and the Catechism of the Catholic Church. When you write down your sins, you have, to, you have to mention the number of mortal sins. You have to mention the number and the type. Probably when you go to confession, you never heard this before in your whole life. This is canon law and the Catechism of the Catholic Church. So I'm, I'm persnickety. I'm a stickler on this. You come to me. I'm not me. I'll say, how many times? Oh, Father, why act? Well, it's like if you if you get a you get a breast a, a breast cancer and you have a a breast cancer operation of your breast. What's the first thing you ask the doctor when you come come to? Did you get it all? Sin is cancer of the soul. Cancer of the soul. You know when you go in there, you got breath, you got a couple of lumps in both the breasts. Hey, talk how to go? Well, I got about forty-five percent of it. Good luck. Yeah. 
That would cast me into desolation. The doctor said, no. Two of the best came from Mayo Clinic in UCLA. We had three doctors working on it. Five hours, no trace of cancer. Wow. That's what you want to happen with your soul. I tell you, it's hard work, but if it's done, it will probably be the greatest moment in your life as a Catholic, if it's done well. It's worth it. And me as a priest, if any young man could think about the Mass and doing this in the confessional, how could he not want to be a priest? How could he not want to be a priest? If God uses us to do these most sublime tasks, to bring Christ from heaven to earth and to absolve all your sins in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Wow. How good God is. So, the number of mortal sins. I would suggest, because you may not have too many priests, uh, I may digging, I'll be digging my own grave, which is okay, you know. <laughs> is maybe when you're confessing, just write down the number of the mortal sins this time. And then be very quick with the venial sins, because venial sin is free matter. Free matter. If you can, but what you want to do, what you want to do, because we're 80, we're 80 altogether, and I don't know if there's going to be three priests tomorrow. No? There's 80, and if we have... Eighty of you making a general confession is going to take time. But the, the better the prepared the person is, the quicker it goes. In my parish, I've had sometimes 45 people on the confessional line. And in, in about an hour and 45 minutes, I get them done. I just say, look, we don't have that much time. There are 45 of us here. They're just, uh, don't you remember Dragnet with Joe Friday? Remember that? Okay, you're about my age, okay. Just the facts, ma'am. Just the facts, ma'am. Just the facts, ma'am. Just the sins, ma'am. Just the sins, ma'am. Just the sins, ma'am. Okay. Remember that? Dragnet, huh? <laughs> so, you have your little booklet? You pray, and you'll be surprised. If you pray the Holy Spirit, it's almost as if the movie of your life will roll before your eyes. That's usually what happens. Things that you never confess, the Holy Spirit enlightens you. Wow, I never, I never confessed that. <gasps> ah, now's the time to get it out. I never confessed that. And that's a serious sin. Yeah, I remember I hid that from the priest. I thought he was going to bark at me. I'm going to get out now. (laughs) So go through the booklet. The booklet, you're going to have mortal sins and venial sins. And what is a mortal sin? Okay, catechesis. Remember, grave matter, full knowledge, full consent of the will. Remember, sisters? Grave matter full knowledge, full consent of the will. That's still in the catechism. 
Grave matter, what does that mean? It's something serious. Full knowledge, you know it. Full consent of the will, you do it on purpose. Those are the... Try to, try to memorize that. And you have children, your children should know that. Your, your parents, you're, you're the teachers. You, you should teach them. They should know that. Otherwise, you're, you're a derelict as a mother. You're the first teacher, as, as well as your husband, too. One of the best ways to form the conscience of your children, take them to confession frequently. Yeah. Even though they don't want to go. Take them anyway. Say the display, afterward, take them to Chuck E. Cheese or, you know, Knott's Berry Farm or whatever you have here, no? The hayride of Nebraska, okay? <laughs> I know what you have here, no? Yeah, Chuck E. Cheese, I don't know. I have that? Okay. Kind of bribe up a little bit, okay? So go through those commandments. There are ten of them. And they're commandments, not suggestions, right? So after it's written, okay, you've done your work, then there are, four, there are five steps to make a good confession. So first is examination of conscience. The second is sorrow for your sin, because if you just do that work, but you're not sorry, it's, it's useless. You want to make sure that you're sorry for the sin. And as Ignatius says, I haven't said this enough, beg for the grace, beg for the grace, beg for the grace. Because you're, it's an encounter with Christ. You have to beg for the grace to prepare yourself. Well, beg for the grace. I offered my Mass for you today. Say thank you, Father. You're welcome. God would enlighten you and motivate you to make this, make this sacrament. A priest offering his intentions for you people are spoiled. Wow. God spoiled children, huh? Okay, now sorrow. Sorrow is a grace you have to beg for. It's, it's a supernatural grace you've got to beg for. Now, there, there, are two, there are two types of sorrow. This you should know. This is basic catechism that we learn from the Baltimore. It's called attrition and contrition. You've probably never heard that before, huh? Attrition means imperfect contrition. Then contrition of love, which would be perfect contrition. Now, attrition is this. In attrition, it's good enough. But you're repenting of your mortal sins because of fear of the Lord, which is the beginning of wisdom. And fear of the Lord motivates us to want to give up sin because we don't want to go to hell. And hell exists. I could go to hell and every one of you could go to hell too. We're free. And we could abuse our freedom. We could lose it. We're praying in this retreat to live out principle and foundation to save our souls. But we're free agents. We can reject God. God's not going to force us to love Him. He wants us to love Him freely. 
So attrition is good enough to have absolution. But you want to aim, you want to aim at perfect contrition, contrition of love. You don't want to hurt God. How do you define sin? My favorite definition is Fulton Sheen. You ever hear Fulton Sheen? You never heard of Fulton Sheen, any of you? Yeah? I met him in person. What a blessing. I met him in person. He's the one of the... He, what would happen if all bishops and priests would imitate Fulton Sheen? What do you think? I think he's the, the greatest model for modern priests and bishops. And he made a daily holy hour more than 50 years of his life. He never missed it. He was busier than you are. How many of you have read, written 60 books? How many of you are you on TV and radio every other day? How many of you are the head of the missionary society of the whole world? None of us, right? He did all that. He converted these, these big guns from Hollywood. He converted them. The Hollywood actors were impressed at the way he was able to preach. Recognized he was better than them. And he was a saint at that. <laughs> Fulton Sheen defines love as this. is hurting the one you love. For me, that, that's the best definition you have. It's hurting the one you love. Another definition would be, sin is not so much breaking God's commandments, but rather breaking his sacred heart. Today is the first Friday of the month, right? Two weeks is the feast of the sacred heart. Sin is breaking his heart. All right. I'm going to say something that's going to move all of your mothers, okay? But I'm saying this to, to move you to deep, deep contrition. Okay. How many mothers here? Okay. Do you remember? Okay, your, your little daughter was three years old. You were tired. You were frustrated, right? And she knocked over the grape juice or did something that really frustrated and you and you yelled at her without thinking. You saw her face go up and down, up and down, and then she started to wail. And you ran to her and said, Honey, I'm sorry, I didn't really mean it. You've never forgotten that. That's what happens when we commit a sin against God. Every mother understands that. I know it's painful what I said, but I'm trying to hit home at what a woman, what a mother is like. You didn't mean it. You were just frustrated. And then you ran, you hugged her, but then it, it, you know, it hurts. We're doing that to God when we sin, but when we go to confession, we're giving him a hug again, as you gave your little daughter. See, we, we want to... I think we have to change the way we living our, we're living our Catholic faith. Our Catholic faith, my friends... Basically, it's a love affair. Women understand that better than men. <laughs> Our Catholic faith is a love affair. 
And what is sin? Sin is, sin is saying no to the love of God. That's what it is. Sin is saying no to the love of God. So you want to beg for the grace of attrition and perfect contrition. Both of them. I don't want to lose my soul. But I don't want to do, I don't want to do anything to hurt the one that loves me. And he wants me to love him in return. One of the most painful things in the world is to love someone and the person doesn't love you back. In literature, it's called the, bra- the broken heart syndrome. Yeah. Why did Romeo die? Because he couldn't live without Juliet, right? <laughs> Shakespeare. We should be such, we, don't, we can't live without God. What does St. Augustine say? Oh Lord, you have made our hearts believe. Our hearts are restless until they rest in thee. Confessions. Okay, then the third step, okay, the second is contrition, the third step is firm purpose of amendment. Myself as a confessor for 37 years, this is where most people are weakest. And as a result of that, you have a confession, they say in Spanish, el disco rayado. Okay, the, the broken disco rayado, I said, the, the broken record confession, where you, you say the same thing over and over again. You keep repeating it, repeating, 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 repeating. So what you should do is this, firm purpose of amendment. See your fall into sin, but what preceded it? So there's A, B, C, and then you capitulate. There's a certain pattern in your sin. So you're aware of what leads you into sin. So next time when you see yourself being drawn down that road towards sin, and you recognize where you're at mentally, emotionally, you turn the other direction, you turn to God and beg for his grace. That's probably where most of you are at in your spiritual life. You're probably repeating the same things over and over again. Can't, can't get out of the gutter because you're not aware what's leading you into it. Now this is another Ignatian principle. When we're in desolation, that's when the devil attacks us. So before committing a sin, you're probably going to find yourself in a state of desolation. Take that for granted. And then the devil is going to look for our weak point and he's going to shoot for the kill. See how the exercise is spiritual warfare. Really it is. This is is not cotton candy spirituality. This This is spirituality for the strong. This is not the... The gospel according to Mickey Mouse. I mean, this is a, a this is a, it's a demanding spirituality, but it makes sense. Forges and perfects saints, yeah. So you understand that, okay? Very important that point. Firm purpose of amendment. You're seeing what what leads you into sin. In other words, the, the mere occasion of sin, 
The mere occasion of sin can be a person, place, thing, circumstance. What is the near occasion of sin? Like Adam and Eve, Eve was near the forbidden fruit. What is the forbidden fruit that you seem to be pursuing? What is the forbidden fruit? And keep away from it. All right, the, the fourth step. You haven't even entered the confessional yet. <laughs> See, making a good confession, 95% of a good confession is before you even enter the confessional. So, you prepare yourself well, then you confess, just do it at a, at a good pace. Don't beat around the bush. Okay, now, when you go in the confessional, once St. Faustina Kowalska went to confession and she didn't feel at peace. Usually, she felt at peace, but this time she didn't feel at peace. And Jesus appeared to her and she said, Lord, why am I not at peace? And he said, before, because you forgot to pray for the confessor before you went into the confessional. You've probably never done that before. But, hey, pray for the priest. You know, I have a guardian angel. Did you know that? I have a guardian angel. So do you. Send the guardian angels to work in helping you make a good confession. Then according to Faustina, a good confession should have three qualities. This is from the Diary of St. Faustina. And they are humility, uh, transparency, trans- transparency, humility, and obedience. Those are three qualities. Transparency, humility, and obedience. Transparent, try to be clear. Try to be clear. Sign of the evil spirit is confusion. And ambiguity. There's a good word for you. Put that feather in your cap, huh? Ambiguity. You know what that means? Ambiguity means you're, you're speaking in such a way where you're not clear. You're, you're confusing. Or ambiguity, confusion, sign of the bad spirit, the devil. Yeah. Or transparency and clarity, sign of the Holy Spirit. Yeah. Yeah. And then humility. Let's be humble. You know, Father, I, I, I fight with my husband. If you knew him, man. If you knew that guy, you would really understand what I'm talking about. Pride. Pride. Okay, I guess I can use this image in Nebraska. You're putting... You're putting Cream whip, cream whip and cow dung. You're putting cream whip on cow dung. No. Call a spade a spade. Don't try to justify it. 
Can I get angry? But if you knew him, Father, if you knew that guy, oh boy. <laughs> See, you're, you're justifying it, no? And that's, 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 that's a lack of humility. And then obedience. So the priest, for your penance, I'd like you to say, get five Hail Marys. How about two, Father? Okay, come on. Arm wrestling, arm, arm wrestling the priest. Okay? Let's get it down to two, Father. No? I'm going to give you five rosaries. Come on, no? Try to obey the priests because the priest represents Christ. And you've done that? Say, Father, I'm sorry for all these sins and all the sins I'm not aware of of my whole life. I ask you for penance and absolution. Say your act of contrition. And then listen to these words. And I absolve you, and I absolve you of your sins in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Go out and carry out your penance and your soul becomes white as the snow. Happy stay in your life. Father Tim Gallagher, who's one of the Oblate priests, tells this story. He said there was a 15-year-old girl that suffered suffered depression. Yeah. Her mother took her to a, a professional to cope with her depression. She'd go every month. She got worse and worse and worse. Ten years passed. Suicidal. Suicidal. Think about ending her life. She was a Catholic, but not too much of a practicing Catholic, one day, and her psychologist is a non-believer. One day, the girl wanders into a church, and who's there is her psychologist and a priest dressed in the black robe that I've got right now, enters into that little box we call it the confessional. Turns on the light, and the psychologist is eyeing what's going, what's going on in that little kiosk, that little box. And she is just staring at this. Five minutes, seven minutes, eight minutes, ten minutes. Then after ten minutes, the door is open, and the psychologist is looking at the patient that she had for ten years. And she said, now I believe in a miracle. Because the girl was radiating peace from ear to ear. And the psychologist said, what I tried to accomplish in 10 years, I could not accomplish what happened in 10 minutes in that confessional. 
Psychology can help us to get in tune with our emotions, to unravel our emotions. But only Jesus Christ can heal the wounded and the broken heart. Only Jesus Christ. Praise the Lord that we've got Jesus Christ. He is our divine physician. So I pray and I hope that all of you will be able to make perhaps the greatest experience in your life to make a general confession, hear those words, I absolve thee of your sins in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit, and you'll be born again and your soul will become white as the snow. Amen. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen.